What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Coast to Coast. I am Ronan Gain. Joining me as always, Christian Nambu. It's been a hot minute since we last recorded. The Bucks are still undefeated. They've now won 16 straight. LeBron James is out for a vital part of the Lakers season. Quinn Snyder is back in the NBA. And Damian Lillard has joined the 70-point club. We'll be discussing all that and more. But first... Thank you all so much for making Coast to Coast your first listen. And make sure, if you like what you're hearing, you're on Spotify. Give us that five-star review. Give us a follow. You're on YouTube. Drop us a like. Subscribe. You keep enjoying it. You keep subscribing. Keep liking. And we'll keep producing the content. But we're going to start off today with just a few quick fire points. The Milwaukee Bucks are now on a 16-0 winning run. They are now top of the Eastern Conference. They've actually... the uh, Taking that, taking that off the uh, off the Celtics for probably feels like the first time this this season. Their team basketball is just unbelievable. Are, are they looking now like the team to beat, or do you still think it's the Celtics? I mean, I think the, I think the Celtics are obviously that's still my team to beat, given their talent level and given the fact that you know Chris Milton still hasn't gotten to the level that you want to see him at. But I think that makes the the production coming from the Bucks team as a whole, even more impressive. The fact that in this 16-game span, Middleton's only averaged 13 points, four rebounds, three assists. He's not really been playing out to the level that we thought he would. And he's the guy, he's the piece that, you know, when you look down the stretch last season, that was the missing thing that would have pushed the Bucks over the edge. So if he's not there, I mean, that if we're just talking playoffs again, we're still constantly – looking you know that the Celtics are looking over their shoulders at the Bucks. Bucks are going to be doing the same I think the Celtics can still feel confident that Jalen Brown's looking healthy Jason Tatum's still looking like an MVP for him and without Chris Middleton being there I'm still I'm still going to pick the Celtics given uh given that until I see Chris Middleton start to turn it up I don't care how many games they win because I know this Bucks team can win any regular season t- game that they want whenever I, although although this is impressive for sure um I still think that it just comes down to him getting to that playoff level. Yeah, hundred percent. It feels like it's going to come down to that. It could the difference could just be the three point shooting yet again with the with the Celtics having the a, a big advantage in that area. And then what about the what about the Lakers? LeBron's now out for at least three weeks. Are they going to be able to sustain this run? They've been on a solid little run now with the with the new look team. But their next few games, they placed the Timberwolves, the Warriors, the Grizzlies, the Raptors, the Knicks, and the Pelicans. That's a pretty tough run if you got no LeBron James and I'm not sure about D'Lo and you're never really too sure about AD. Are they going to be able to, to sustain this run and, and, and push for the playoffs still? So we'll see. I think it looks like D'Lo's next chance is tonight. Um, and that would be awesome and to see him play uh, against the Timberwolves to see you know that's always you always want to see what a player does when he plays his former team and I'd love to look at the stats of that because I feel like whenever you get that first rematch like they always always show up but I think it sucks man I mean that that's just that is what it is like it's so disappointing to see them have a glimmer of hope I mean this team looked fun the way they're playing the open uh, on the open floor LeBron James actually getting to sit at the end of a game, like being up, having a lead like that. He hasn't seen that in like a year and not even having the chance to see him consistently get on the floor with a shooter like D'Lo. It's, it's tough. If they're going to be able to make it, I think it's going to take a tremendous team effort. I mean, they, they've gotten deeper. They've gotten shooting. So you can say that they just surrounded AD with two shooters and does that get them down the stretch for three weeks? It it would take a heroic effort, man. I mean, just for them to get get up to the tenth seed, it's it's going to take a lot. It's going to take a lot of good basketball and a lot of good luck. And you know, the Lakers have had such bad luck the past year and a half, two years. Like it's about time they had some good luck. So maybe maybe this is the time. D'Lo feels comfortable playing in L.A. This is like playing at home for him. And he's going to have to have one of the biggest stretches of his career if they're going to make it because it really needs to be a one-two punch between him and Anthony Davis while LeBron is gone. Yeah, 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 100%. And another new man out in the Western Conference, Kevin Durant, played his first game for the Suns. 23 <laughs> points, pick up the W. 
per- perfect start. Obviously, it was only against the Hornets, so you can't really go into it too much. But uh, they they look like they're going to be uh, a very a very uh, fun duo to watch, Devin Booker and KD. You know, he's so he's not going to have a chance to win the MVP this season, which is too bad because his form at the beginning of the season, like he looked, I mean, he looked like an MVP. Like he just could not stop anything he was doing on both ends of the floor. And I think it'll be it'll be interesting to see how he slots in as a not not a role player. I I that almost came out of my mouth. But I, I think that if you look at the sets that they're running, they can really focus on having Devin Booker and Chris Paul on pick and rolls and just having Kevin Durant stand on the other side of the floor. Like Kevin Durant doesn't even necessarily need to do anything on any given play. It's just how good this Suns team is with the spacing that he provides. And that's something that they have not had before. Like Cam Johnson, amazing shooter, but defenders are still going to help off of Cam Johnson to prevent a pick and roll from Devin Booker and DeAndre Ayton. Now, I mean, you just, you just look at the game that he played in. There is no help from either side that Kevin Durant is on. And all he has to do is just space the floor. He can drop 20 points a game without doing a lot. Like he could do that for the rest of the regular season, save himself for the playoffs. And we don't even know, you know, the full potential of this because they haven't, they haven't even fully run everything that they probably could. And that's, that's the interesting thing. Like we're not going to see, I think the full range of what the Suns could do, putting both Devin Booker and Kevin Durant in screen actions uh, putting Chris Paul in there as well. Like they have so many playmakers, so many shooters, and they're probably going to save that for the playoffs. Like the amount of hidden um, like little things that they could do with them. They're not going to show that in the regular season. Once they bust that out in the playoffs, it's over. Like people already don't know how to theoretically defend that. But then when you're seeing it for the first time in a seven game series, like good luck with that. That's going to be a really tough matchup, obviously. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Talk, speaking of uh, undefendable, Kyrie and Luca, they've uh, they've been struggling uh, in the in the early days of their of their partnership, but then uh, last night it all it all just clicked. They both dropped forty first time in Mavs history. Mm-hmm. They beat the 76ers. If that's a sign of things to come, it's great. It's gonna be uh, it's gonna be a strong finish to the season for the Mavs. Yeah, it's it was still. It's so interesting to me to think about it. Like, I, I still don't know if I like the trade yet or not. I love the offense, and it's so, like, it's undeniable. Like, having two guys that can do what they do on the ball, like two of the, the best creators on ball in basketball. Uh, I think last time I checked, Kyrie Irving, if he's not first, he's second in points for possession on uh, pick and roll and in isolation. Luca is probably not far behind, but he probably takes way more pick and roll uh opportunities but both these guys unguardable but the defense losing Dorian Finney-Smith definitely hurts definitely hurts and for them to be the 25th best offense defense fifth best offense and then go all in on offense we'll see how that plays out at the end of the season but it's tough for them to hold leads yeah like they, they just don't have the personnel for it and those two guys, you know, Kyrie is maybe not always a liability, but Luca certainly is at times. And it's it's going to be tough. If they're playing every single game where they have to win it down the stretch, it's going to be clutch time every single game. Like, obviously, there's going to be so many pressers where it's like, who is supposed to take the right shot? Like, you'd rather not have that question of who should have taken the last shot because you should be winning, like, pretty comfortably with two superstars like that. You just don't have the defensive supporting cast at the moment. So I still don't think this bodes well for them in the playoffs, especially with how gifted on both ends of the floor the West is. It's not a whole lot of uh, teams that I think that, you know, they're going to look favorably on. Yeah, yeah, no, I totally agree. They've gone out in, on offense and, and it has to uh, has to deliver every night or they uh, they might even be still around the realms of the of the play and come, come, uh, come the end of the season. But I think it's time. I think it's Dame time. We gotta talk Damian Lillard. That seventy-one point game and just the season that he is having as a whole, absolutely unbelievable. The heater that that guy was on, those pull-up threes that he was taking, just feeling that that watching him play, it was just it, it was just like watching great art be created. It, it was it was a beautiful beautiful thing to watch. <laughs> it's I oh mean it's it's so crazy. You watch every 
every explosion he's had this season, his 40-point games, his 71-point game. I think one thing that's interesting is when you watch the opposing defense, like what they do throughout the game. Because it's it's not they don't wait for him to get hot. Every team knows like Dame could drop if if defenses aren't prepared, he's probably dropping like forty points every single night. Because the second that the ball's tipped, they're doubling him, they're icing screens, they're forcing them out. They're trying to do something to get him uncomfortable. And I think it's just fantastic because like he, we talk so much about how Luca has a counter for everything, and that's what makes him so great. Dame really has a counter for everything. I mean, you can't switch on Dame. He's too quick for that. For for all the talk before about how he was too small, like he's way too fast to get switched up on. And the fact that he's shooting from thirty feet. I mean, who else? Who else in the league is getting like ten pick and rolls a game from thirty feet out? That just breaks defenses. It's just impossible. And then you're they're running horns actions thirty feet out where he can just get downhill and he has two screeners, one guy popping. Which you know, unfortunately, they don't have a very a very good pick and pop big. That would be a huge thing to have on this team. But I mean, dude, he just does everything. He's splitting double teams. He's on the empty side pick and roll. You can't cover that. And if you allow him to get in the paint, even like he's doing so many crazy things. He's taking fadeaways from mid range. He's making floaters. He's fighting through contact. Like he, I think he's the best offensive player in basketball right now. Like hands down, just to see what he's doing, like from every level, no one's shooting from the range that he's shooting. No one's, no one's taking as many pick and rolls as he is. Like he is basically playing at it. Like Houston Rockets, James Harden level in terms of how often they're just running pick and roll through him because they're not really doing anything else. It's it's unbelievable. Oh, he's just uh, he's their their everything. Like I mean, he always has been, and it's it's as evident as ever this year. I mean, I was one who kind of jumped on the bandwagon when I saw what the moves that they made in the off season. Then and I'm thinking they they've really kind of built a really solid team around Dame, but. Two of those key pieces in Gary, uh, Gary uh, Payton the second and uh, Josh Harder. They're but they're both gone now, so it's just kind of back to it's Dame time. It's all about Dame. Dame, you just go out there and be your superstar self, and we'll hope that it, uh, we'll hope that it bears fruit for us. That's kind of the way that the the Trailblazers are are going at the moment. But what he's doing is just it's 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 crazy. Thirty two four and seven on the season on fifty nine thirty eight ninety two splits. I mean that is just offensive domination and he is doing that almost by himself really. He ha he's having to do that by himself. He's just having to go out there and be that elite superstar that we've always known that he is capable of being. But Something that keeps kind of nagging at me, obviously Dame's a bit later in his career now, but it, it kind of feels like he's in a similar sort of situation to what LeBron James was the first time around in Cleveland. It's like he kind of has no choice but to leave Portland in order for the team to actually be capable. You know he's not doing it. I know he's not doing it. I'm just saying he's, he's in that sort of situation <laughs> where the only way that Portland team is truly going to be able to become a contender is if he is not there. And that's just not going to happen. So it's a question of how far can Dame Lillard hero ball take this team? And hopefully, hopefully they can, they can get into the play in at least. And they, that we can see some more Damian Lillard uh, playoff basketball, because obviously got one of the most memorable, uh, most memorable shots in their uh, playoff history uh, there against the OKC Thunder a few years ago. Haven't yeah. really seen much of the the Trailblazers in the in the playoffs since uh, that that great run that they had that year. Hopefully they can do something and 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 put some results together towards the end of the season to get to get into those playoffs because we need to see Damian Lillard in the playoffs. It, ha it has to be the way we want to see the best and Damian Lillard's right up there. I I don't think it's gonna happen this year. Me neither. I, I like the <laughs> the Blazers have the worst defense in the league in the past, like, 20, 25 games. You know, they're, they're worse than Spurs. Um, I mean, they're, they're even – that's worse than the Rockets for the whole season. They're, I think they're at 123 right now in the last 25 games. It's as good as it gets, um, which is a shame because you, you look at the first couple months, and this always happens. This always happens. I, I think this is we, – we learn something new every season. We've been doing this podcast. Um, I think one thing we've definitely learned is when you pay attention to – the hot start teams, the hot start teams that are weirdly better on defense than they should be. Usually that doesn't last. You know, your, your Washington Wizards, throw, throw that example in there. 
And I think, is this a thing about Chauncey Billups? Is this, is this kind of an indictment on him? Because he had pieces. He had defensive pieces. Um, and things are only going to get worse without Josh Hart, um, which I can't wait to talk about with the Knicks because, I mean, he's he's just such an engine whenever he's on the floor. He's one of those guys, you throw him on the floor and the whole the whole five-man unit is going to get better defensively with his communication, with his effort and everything like that. Losing a guy like that is tough. But you had that. You had Jeremy Grant and you had Nasir Little and you couldn't put together a average defense for the whole season. That's that's terrible. That's yeah. terrible. For the whole season to be after your hearts uh your hot start to have a defensive rating of 118. You're barely better than the Kings. Or no, you're not better than the Kings. The Kings are better than you. In fact, the Kings are better at defense than you. You're barely better than the Pistons, Rockets and Spurs. They are right there as a tanking team in terms of defense. Without Dame, this is a top five lottery team, literally. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's worrying. I you hadn't looked into that. I think that they're they're down there with the with the tanking teams. Like that's just that's really pathetic. It's disappointing, and you could, there is an element of personnel. But like you said, they had the guys there. Obviously, they've lost a couple, but to to not be able to put together a better defense and maybe just being too obsessed with the fact that not putting enough effort into doing that when you know you have Dame and, and thinking that you can get away with it, that's uh, that 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 could be an element as well. Billups is still uh, a somewhat in, inexperienced coach, but yeah, seeing that is definitely disappointing, and I think that's obviously something that he's got to look at himself and the the Trailblazers as, as an organization will certainly have to look at because it's looking likely that, yeah, we're going to see some great performances from Damian Lillard and a, and a great season from him, but it's looking unlikely that we're going to see the playoffs in, in Portland come, come April, May, which is uh which is really disappointing, but just on, on Damian Lillard, where do you think, where, where, where's his rank in the NBA today? And for, for his career as a whole, where, where do you think he's, he ranks? Among what? <laughs> among guards. Among guards. Among guards. Are you taking him? I, I hate the Steph Curry Dame thing. I think it's a, I think it's still a one A one B thing. Um, let's let's go through the list. Are you taking him over Jaw? Yeah. Okay. Are you taking him? You're gonna take him over Trey. Then are you taking him over Shea? Still, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, are you taking him over Luca? That's a that's a bit tougher, but I feel like you still have to. I think he's still he's still done enough to 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 be ranking over Luca. And, I mean, who who else who else is in that discussion? Yeah, no, no, that that, that that's it. That's where you're kind of looking I... at it. I think he's the be- he's more efficient than Luca right now. I think he's they're different players, so it's 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 hard to compare them. I think Luca's better in the half court. Um it's it's tough to compare those two. But between Luca and Dane, I think those those are the two top guards in the league right now. Steph Curry, you know, you, you want to put him there, but you know, he's not I don't think he's having the same kind of season just given the fact that he's missed time and he's not taking as many shots as Dame. And Dame is doing everything. And I think system-wise, Dame has way less help. I, I want to say that right now, Dame is the best guard in the NBA. Hands down. Right now. Right now. It's always it's always uh depends on situations, times change. Who knows? Maybe we're talking about Trey Young after a Quinn Snyder revival. But Dame right now is the best guard in the NBA, hands down. Yeah, yeah, I think it's a, it's pretty pretty hard to argue with that. And then when you look at it as a all time, and even just for his era, he has played in an era with four four Hall of Fame guards: Steph Curry, Dame Lillard, James Harden, Russell Westbrook. Where where does he rank in that in that that four? Because I mean. 
you look at obviously Steph is the is the, is the number one there. I mean, he's got multiple rings, multiple MVPs, yeah. scoring titles. He's the obvious one. But then Russ and Harden, they've both got the MVPs that Dame that Dame doesn't have. So where do, where does he rank alongside the uh, compared to those two guys? Oh man, it's I'm I'm easily gonna pick Curry for I mean that's yeah for all the reasons you stated. Um, between Dame and Russ, I mean, you look last ten years, Dame has eighteen thousand points to Russell's seventeen thousand. Dame's averaged twenty six points per game. Russ's average twenty four. Russ's average more rebound. He's always been a better rebounding guard. He's always been a better playmaker though. Uh, I mean, in the last 10 years alone, I mean, Russ has averaged 24, near uh, 8.6 and nine assists. That's, it's tough to argue with that. I, I don't know. I, I think it's tough to ask that right now because there's, this is such a depressing time for uh, Russell Westbrook's legacy. This is such a terrible time. Like there's, if he had stayed with the Thunder and just continued doing what he was doing, but kind of like, kind of like what, uh, what Lither gets to do. I mean, yeah. Because Lillard shoots threes, um, he's respected more than Westbrook. And because he's – I think he's just got a different personality. Russ is more aggressive with the media, and I think he gets flack for that. And he'll, every little negative thing that Russ does gets amplified. And look, already with his start with the Clippers, like he can't even start normally and get normal attention as a new player on a new team trying to figure things out. I don't know. It's tough. I don't want to answer that right now. Look, look at it this way then. Look, look at it this way then. Look at it this way then. OKC, Russ, Rockets, Harden, Trailblazers, Dame. Which one of those three are are you taking? Are you what? What? How are you ranking those three? So, like, best year of MVP Harden, MVP Russ. Or, I mean, Dame, like, right now, at slash Dame two years ago. Um, if I'm picking one guy, I mean, it has to be – and it has to be – no, 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 no. That has to be MVP Harden. That has to be MVP Harden. I mean, MVP Harden, that was the year where, like – I mean, he revolutionized step back three, not until not to overplay this, this whole three-point shooting thing, but – I mean, in fact, like he he drove the league towards that shot. He drove the league towards taking even more threes than had already been inspired by what the Warriors were doing. And he, I mean, he really drove AAU basketball, so much of basketball culture towards um, towards what he would do by himself in isolation and pick and roll. Like that by itself, that few seasons that he had there, unguardable scoring at Michael Jordan levels. That's that's gotta be the guy. As much as people probably hate that answer because of how he scored sometimes, just getting to the the free throw line. Um there wasn't a lot of movement. It was ugly basketball to watch at times. I mean that was still the team that almost beat the Warriors. That was the team that almost dethroned the Golden State Warriors. So nobody else came close to that. Except for Russ when he was with Durant, but that was an MVP Russ. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, no, that's uh, yeah, no, I think I think that that's a fair answer. It's like the heart kind of wants to say Dame is 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 better than those guys, even though he didn't get it, hasn't have the MVP or anything like that. But when you when you really break it down, as as great as Damian Lillard is, he hasn't had that that one year where all eyes were on him. He was the the noise around the league, even if it didn't lead to. To titles or anything, obviously we know where uh, Russ, uh, Russ and Harden are are also still chasing that ring. But yeah, I think I think your point is definitely valid on, on Harden. I think that's a that's a good answer. As much as it's tough to look over a uh, third thirty uh, thirty point triple double uh, Russell Westbrook, but like you said, he completely changed things. He was the dominant scorer in the entire league. And if they could have just made one or two of those three point shots, they were uh, they were going to dethrone the 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 Golden State Warriors, it, it, which would have really sustained the legacy for 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 James Harden. For, to finish off on Dame, though, 
He's likely he's he's the already eleventh all time in points per game, twenty five point one. He's currently sixth in terms of three pointers made. He will almost definitely be top four by the end of his career, and maybe he'll even push that a little bit higher. Scoring wise, he is a a phenomenon. When he gets hot, it's it's hard to stop him. I mean, he has fifteen games scoring fifty plus. Only five players have more. Five games scoring 60-plus, only Kobe and Wilt have more, and he's one of eight players to score 70-plus. Dude, is he's an all-timer. I think he's he's a Hall of Fame-level player. He's got that yeah. level of talent without doubt. You just hope that in these final few years, he's going to stick in Portland. Let's hope they can still find a way to build a team that can get into the playoffs and actually have some belief that they're going to they're gonna be able to do something in the playoffs and make some noise. Yeah, I, I think... I you, you never say never for the amount of movement and change that's happened across the NBA past few years. Like <laughs> you really never know what's going to happen. Um, harder to say for a small market team like the Blazers, but I don't know. It felt like there was something real about the beginning of the season. There's something real about the construct of the team. Like a Josh Hart on this team made so much sense. You know, um, Justice Winslow being a point center made so much sense at the time. Um, Nurkic not looking like a bum started to make sense. But for that not to work out, I, I thought there was a lot of best case scenarios I had to work out for that iteration of, of this team to work. But it felt like that was the most complete Blazers team that Dame has had. And to have now Reddish instead of Josh Hart, who knows, maybe Reddish makes up. The crazy offseason jump finally feels comfortable somewhere. But it, it seems like they just are out of options. But we just get to sit back and watch Lillard. But it, it felt like that was a team that was supposed to work out. Maybe maybe Sharp? Do you look to Sharp to make a big jump? Is yeah. that yeah. is that what it is? Like, what, what are you counting on for this team to get better? And it has to come from defense. And Anthony Simons is not a two-way player. Dame Lillard is not a two-way player. Sharp is a rookie. You know, Jeremy Grant can't do it by himself. Nurkic is a plotting big who can't switch and is, you know, passable as a drop defender right now. So it's it's tough to watch Dame's time go by because as much as we want to keep saying, like, hopefully they figure it out, hopefully they figure it out, the personnel just isn't there. And even more worrying that when the personnel was there, the coach who's supposed to be a defensive-minded guy couldn't figure it out. Yeah, definitely, definitely the the biggest worry there. Hey, you. Yeah, you. You listened this far, whether you fell asleep, left your phone in the other room, or maybe you liked what you heard. So please don't forget to hit that subscribe button so you can get our content every week. Okay, we are back and we're heading over to the Eastern Conference. We're talking Atlanta Hawks. Quinn Snyder is the new head coach of the Atlanta Hawks. He actually has gone full circle. He left the, the Hawks assistant role back in 2014. Now he's uh, now he's headed into the top spot after a pretty successful stint out uh, out in Utah. What do you what do you think about this appointment? Do you like it? Yeah, and and two things. Um, one, for another, I'm glad you mentioned. Uh, that because he's the assistant with Coach Bud, who when he was with the Hawks, that was like one of the most memorable Hawks teams in a decade. It was the best regular season team in the league. They had three all-stars. And one of those all-stars is now one of his new bosses. Kyle Korver, full circle, is now his boss. He's the assistant uh, GM along with Landry Fields uh, as a general manager. Um, and the second point to that is I think it's so easy to quickly forget how good the Jazz were. Because I think that's that's a pretty that's a pretty neutral kind of thought about how good he was as a coach, and I think most of us are going to have that because the Jazz ended on a pretty sour note. But I mean, Quinn Snyder took a team that had Gordon Hayward uh, drafted, uh, Dante Exum had, um, oh my gosh, Derek Favors, Enos Cantor those guys on that team. And he turned that from like one of the slowest teams in basketball and 
they ended up getting Donovan Mitchell, losing Gordon Hayward. That just looked awful. And then he turned that and Rudy Gobert into one of the best offenses, not just in the league, but that the league has ever seen. That's what he did. So I, I think I think that's where we have to start when we look at Quinn Snyder is one, he just signed a five-year contract with an organization that he has familiarity with and a, one of the GMs who he's very close with. And two, he has a track record that means that they just hired a coach who they have expectations and trust that he's going to lead and build this team. And I think this kind of segues into our discussion because now all eyes are going to be on Trey. I, I think it'll be fun right now if we talk about, you know, what, what Quinn Snyder did with the Jazz that they can work with the, the Hawks for sure. But I think everyone's dying to kind of talk about what does this mean for Trey Young, a guy that has, you know, is he a coach killer now? He just had disagreements with his last two coaches. They did not last there. He's had disagreements with his teammates. And just the whole vibe there is off, clearly. There's just so many leaks. There's no, there's there's more leaks out of the Hawks than all these gas leaks across America right now. Like every single week, there is something about Trey Young, something about that locker room, and it needs to stop. And hopefully Quinn Snyder is there to stop it, or else we'll see what happens this summer. Yeah, I mean, uh, if you believe all all the rumors and all the leaks, I mean, Trey Young is getting the vibe of being like the most volatile player that the NBA has ever seen. I mean, in terms of like the uh, guys who expect to be the your lead guy, your lead star level player, he apparently he's got issues with with the guys he's playing with. He's got issue with his coaches, uh, issues with with almost everybody, but. There's still no talk of him being unhappy in Atlanta or anything like that. So that's where you're kind of like, where, where, where's the balance here? Where, where do, where do you, you find, where do you try and find the truth in it? But it doesn't feel too surprising that that those things are coming out. It's just a question of now he's got this tenured coach, he's got this guy who's worked with players of his level before. Is he going to be willing to to listen and uh, and work under this new coach? You have to think he's going to have to, or the Hawks are going to move on after giving Quinn Schneider the 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 bumper deal. That's kind of the way that it feels. Yeah, and hopefully that's a good thing. You know, I don't want to talk about this all in like a negative light. I think there's definitely a pressure there that exists. Like this isn't. I mean, ultimately, Nate McMillan was the substitute teacher. Like he came in and he's, I mean, not, not to push him down to that level because Nate McMillan, one of the, he definitely could have been coach of the year, uh, the year with the, with the Pacers and then coming in with the Hawks. Like he had an excellent tenure there that just went up and down. I think he, you know, he was a good coach that, you know, just did not mesh with this team. And that sometimes that happens, but in the mind of a guy like Trey Young, I think, you know, he's, he's a substitute teacher who came in and he's still there. He stayed there and he wasn't, Trey Young's choice. He wasn't the organization's first choice at the time. And it was just kind of a forced marriage. So I don't, I don't think, and I hope that he didn't have any input on Quinn Snyder's hiring. Cause I think the organization needs to think for itself and not really make these decisions based on Trey, but I think there's going to be a new standard because of it. And I think that pressure is good. And if he does accept it again, just, just talking broadly, look at what he did for Donovan Mitchell. Look at what he did for that team. And there's a, there's a lot of, I mean, Trey Young, we think of him as just shooter, but I think what one of the things he's best at is uh, penetrating the defense and being a playmaker, making smart plays off of a dribble penetration. And, you know, I think the the sets that Quinn Snyder would run for for the Jazz, the spacing that he encouraged there, the three-point shooting, the smart three-point shooting that he was able to to create there. And again, going, coming from a team that was among the bottom in offense and then managed to put together one of the best offenses in history. I mean, I think they could do a lot with this team. Yeah, yeah, I uh, 100% agree. I think the offense, where you think you, it, it almost feels like it has to, to work out because Quinn Starter is an offensive-minded coach. He's a he's a tactician when it comes to to uh, offensive sets and offensive plays. Trey is a guy who has potential offensive superstar level abilities, no no doubt about it. There is other talent in this team, 
the the big question I think about the appointment is where does he look to go with the defense? Because obviously they had Rudy Gobert in Utah. The the whole defense was built around him and built around him making up for the lack of defense from some of the other players. Does he look and think, can he? I do that with Clint Capella? Is he going to be able to create a broader, more team-balanced defense for this team to really, to really succeed? I think offensively, if everyone's committed and they'll they'll be potentially top top five level, maybe not this year, but but moving forward, the defensive side is where I'd 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 be worried a little bit. They the thing is that. I mean, with the Jazz, you had Royce O'Neal, who was, I mean, with the Nets this year, had a complete revival defensively. Like he, Royce O'Neal kind of had an off year defensively last year uh, with the Jazz. And then this year, the Nets just looked tremendous. So is that a, is that a team thing? Is that an individual thing? Probably both. Um, you saw it in the past what Jay Crowder did with the Jazz. I mean, you, you got personnel like that here. You have a DeAndre Hunter you have a, um, you know, I, I think that Onyeka and Kongwus could not, I mean, he could be a massive asset defensively. Like th- there are pieces here and Clint Capella is an anchoring defensive center. I mean, he's, he's not a defensive player of the year. Um, Sadiq Bey, I mean, that that's a huge acquisition that they got that I, I think can, can do a lot for them. They have two really big wings. They have a really mobile switchable center. They have a traditional rim protecting big like there's there's defensive pieces for it to work and I think one thing that we do have to expect is um something that guys like Mike Conley have talked about is that there's a lot of uh lingo that he works with so I I don't know if that's something that they that's kind of the minutia of what it takes for a coach to take over a team in the middle of a season which really doesn't happen very often like this is not something that you see very often especially a high profile coach like this and a high profile team with a lot of pressure there's a lot at play here um, all reports are, are saying that, you know, the front office coaching staff, like there's a lot of pressure from management, um, from ownership rather to, to win. And I think that what we see at the end of the season here will be more about culture will be more about, um, how Trey Young responds, how young players grow. Let's see what, what how AJ Griffin responds, how Sadiq Bey adjusts in this role. Um, hell, this is this is going to be a deep take, and he only played three minutes in two games. But Garrison Matthews is a role player that I I think would be great for them to introduce. They need guys like that who can defend at the perimeter and shoot the three. Um, but there, there's so many there's so many players in this team that if they can just create a new culture, they can reset. Like forget about the playoffs. Like you're maybe you make the playoffs. Uh, you're going to make the playoffs, I think, if you're the Hawks. But I don't think you're going to do anything significant. But it's really just about establishing culture and goals. So let's listen in on what new leaks we find. Let's listen in to how they talk in the press conference. Because we can talk all day about X's and O's, but I think it's going to take way too long to really establish that in a meaningful way that will push them to where they want to go. And that's deep in the playoffs. And I just don't – I don't think it's going to happen this year. But like I said, it's about it's about the intangibles at this point. Yeah, yeah, I think that's that's uh, that's clear. I I like to to think they're gonna get back to regular season quality. I mean, obviously they had that great run in the playoffs in twenty twenty one, but since then it's been a a bit of a damn squid. They haven't been able to build on it. You're bringing in one of the the great, at least regular season coaches of the last of the last decade. That's the the one step. Then it's the question of the the playoff success, and hopefully, if Trey Young is the star that the Hawks thought he was when they uh, gave up on Luka Doncic for him, maybe he can be that leader that can that that Quinn Snyder needed to be able to mold and and build a a playoff competitor, and he and he can uh, he can change that narrative around him in Atlanta, but. Let's move on. We'll finish off talking about my Knicks. And I actually get to do this with a smile on my face for once. It's, <laughs> it's, it's great to see. They're on a seven-game win streak. They've won nine of their last ten. They are now fifth in the in the Eastern Conference. I think the form they're playing with, the, the way they're playing, they, they look like they're most definitely going to be in the playoffs this year and not and going to avoid the playing, which is which is huge. And the lead guy who's been at the, the forefront of all that, Jalen Brunson. What, yep. a, what a level that he is playing at at the moment. It's just unbelievable. Yeah. 
it's it's insane. It's it's everything you've hoped for. Um, and I I, I need to stop you there because that's coast to coast, bringing you new vocabulary every every single episode. So are the Knicks not a damp squid? Is that the word damp squid? <laughs> what is a damp squid? You can't just throw that in there and expect me just to keep rolling. Crap. A damp <laughs> squid. <laughs> All right. Well the, well, the Knicks have certainly not been a damp squid this season. We can smile about it. We can be happy. And, you know, it's a seven-game winning streak, but you look back to December 4th, they are 27-14 and 14 since that point. They're on a, I want to say, like a 55-54 game uh, win pace at that point. Um, so it's too bad that they didn't have the start to the season like they're playing right now, but they're really making up for lost time. And I'll let you you lead on this one because I, you know, my the, the few games that I've seen over the past uh, seven games, the one thing I've noticed the most is is Josh Hart. And I mean, just intangibles. When you watch your next team, when they're competing defensively, when they're running the open floor. When Josh Hart's running, uh, chasing loose balls, like how much of the vibe is different just from his presence alone? I mean, we, we definitely got to talk about Brunson, but they got in his buddy Josh Hart there, and he's been exciting for me. Oh, yeah. I mean, it's been unbelievable. I mean, he's, he's played in seven games. The Knicks have won all seven of those games. He is still shooting 60% from three, and he's almost like the the prototype for – the modern day Tibbs sort of player because Tibbs has had to accept that his team has to shoot more threes, which Josh Hart can do. And what he brings as a hustle guy, as a defensive player, I have to imagine that that Tom Thibodeau absolutely loves this guy. Dude, it's, yeah, it's unbelievable. I, it's the guy that he could make in a lab. He'd make 100 Josh Hart's if he could. Um, but it, it's really fun. I mean, saw that moment uh, when Jalen Brunson saw that he was getting uh, traded over to the Knicks. And Brunson himself is just on a tear this season. I, I think there's a real argument to be made that, um, you know, when you when you break down all the guards that will make it on the all-NBA team, given that the Knicks continue this pace, given that Brunson continues what he's doing, and to put that into perspective, just thinking about him as a scorer, he's tied with Damian Lillard in points for possession in isolation. I mean, that there's something to be said for that. Um, and he does it in such a different way. Uh, it, it's such a, I think for basketball culture as well, just to celebrate a player like this, a guy who, you know, is not scoring off of crazy step back threes, is not the most athletic guy on the floor, but is so fundamentally sound and is so good with two feet in the paint, is so good, crafty, navigating pick and rolls and isolation. Like he is just a fantastic score for this team, for a Knicks team that has been dying to have a guy like this. And I think he, he has a chance. He has a chance to, to make it on all NBA team. And it'll be another uh, Pascal Siakam like story. If he ends up missing the all-star game and making the all NBA game or all, yeah, all yeah. NBA. Uh, yeah. That, that, uh, that is definitely true. He's definitely like a, a realistic, uh, most improved player candidate. Obviously, Jazz completely broke that system last year, and it's probably going to be Shea Alexander, but he's averaging 24 and 6 this year on 51, 41, 84 splits. Significant jumps uh, in terms of points per game and assists uh, based off his obviously best year, which was last year. And since the turn of the year, he's averaging 28 and a half points per game, and the Knicks are 18 and 9 in that spell. He's loving playing against the Nets. He's had a 39-point game, a 40-point game. He's had dropped 38 on the Jazz, dropped 41 on the Clippers. Obviously came at a loss, but he is scoring at a at a huge volume, and he's just been let loose on this Knicks team, and it's it's bringing success. It, it's not just that he's been let loose and uh, he's scoring well, but the Knicks are still struggling. He's been the driving force behind the team that have changed from being a a very defensive-minded team relying heavily on Julius Randle to an offensively sound team that are really pushing to to make a make the playoffs and then and and look to make a run in the playoffs, which they didn't do uh, the last time. The last time that they made it, they're they're fourth in offensive rating right now, and yeah. they're yeah, like it's that's that's so crazy, and they're. I think they're 13th in defensive yep. rating. Compare that to 
two years ago when obviously Julius Randle won most improved and got back to playoffs. They were 23rd in offensive rating and third in defensive rating. And then last year they were 22nd in offensive rating and 11th in defensive rating. Brunson's come in and they found a bit more of a balance. They provided a bit more of an offensive defensive balance and it's bearing fruit and, and it's making them a really fun team to watch. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's being talked about enough. Like, um, I think everyone is constantly stuck on who's the best, like top three, top two. Like, if we just ignore that and we just like look at stats alone, like Julius Randle, Jalen Brunson, are they are just on an absolute explosion as a offensive duo? And Jalen Brunson averaging twenty seven points a game on fifty percent shooting, on forty four percent from three. Julius Randle. 27 points per game, 12 rebounds, five assists. He's down a little bit in these last 30 games at 36%. In these last 30 games, these guys are just on a on a tear. And I think a lot of this is sustainable from them too. I think they found a way to coexist in a, in a really amazing way. Unfortunately, I think it's been a little bit at the detriment of, uh, of Barrett. But Barrett's been a professional. Like, Barrett's been an absolute – professional through all of this and this is about team success and he's embraced that and he's preached that every time he's asked about it um but yeah these guys as a duo they're they're definitely they're worth mentioning when we talk about best duos in the league at least offensively um and i think too a very simple thing um just randall not bogging down the offense and making a quick read off a double and passing it I mean, it's it's funny because I, I looked at the the numbers here, and because by the eye test, just watching a few games, you know, you're like, wow, this this team must be like crazy, like getting 25, 27 assists per game. It must be like really up there now. But just the fact that you watch Randall making a pass out of there, I think, just cleans everything up because there's still a lot of room for improvement. There's still in just topping off the bottom 10 in the league in assists per game. Um, but the game is just so much cleaner now that he's really cleaned up his his uh, mid-post game and making quick passes. Because I think the Knicks have so much to offer when you got guys like Quentin Grimes shooting 45% from three in the last, uh, I want to say the last seven games. Yeah, last seven games. Quickly shooting 45% from three in the last seven games. Hart, like you mentioned, 60%. Those numbers maybe not necessarily sustainable, but these are guys that are willing shooters around Randall. And once he starts to pass the ball like this, you know, the ball gets moving. There's so much more to do. And we got to talk about quickly too. I'll, I'll let you jump in because he's been your guy from the start. And I think he's really this season finding a consistent identity in who he is as a player. And I think it's it's amazing to see. Yeah, I mean, I, I've always I've always been a fan of, of IQ and I, I'm really Loving that he's such a big part of a uh, of of a great season in New York. I mean, I I believe now we are going to make the playoffs, and I'm already like looking at it like this is a so much. This is way better than that that uh 2021 season. Obviously, it was great watching <laughs> Randall that yeah. year, and he was the most improved, and and all that was great. But this is such a a more enjoyable watch. The the yeah. well roundedness oh, yeah. of the team, the the growth of, of uh of young guys like like Jericho Sims, like Quentin Grimes, IQ really finding his his identity within this team. They've they feel like it feels like they've turned a corner. I don't want to speak too early, but the addition of Brunson, the fact that they are finding that offensive defensive balance, and it's leading to a winning record. It feels like they they they're turning the corner. Whether that can still whether that means playoff success or not, that's still the question. But Terms of right here, right now, it feels like the New York Knicks uh, have turned a corner and they're in a position where they can they can flourish for the first time in uh, what 20, 20 plus years. Yeah, um, and I and I laughed out loud there because I, I thought you were referencing last season, not twenty twenty one. And I was like, yeah, that's <laughs> this is night and day just between this season, and last season. But even yeah, a couple of years ago when there's a playoff run, this feels. I think there's there's a lot there's a lot more that's complete about this team. And now too, I mean, on quickly. Um, you know, he's a guy that I think two years ago, uh, as, as a rookie, I want to say, um, you're not expecting a lot. And 
I think right now I I do have a level of expectation and in, in a good way for him in the playoffs that he's going to do something. Um, just ways attacking closeouts, the way he's shooting aggressively, and I think his shot has looked a lot better. He it just looks like he has a lot more a lot more core strength, a lot more lower body strength to really just get into a consistent form on on these catch and shoot opportunities. And he's taking deep ones too. Um, and Grimes too. I mean, both the, both those guys coming off the bench, I think have, have looked fantastic. Um, but in the playoffs, I, I think that you can, a couple things struck me that I think are going to be huge, huge uh, parts of success for them. And I think one, like we talked about heart, um, defensively a guy that you can go to one-on-one you know if you're playing the celtics obviously i'm not picking i'm not picking your knicks over the celtics but just to give an extreme example i think you feel pretty good about that matchup josh hart put him on anybody and to see how they played against the celtics and particularly not just um hart's defense but to see mitchell robinson be outplay robert williams in that game um, and for the record, I'm glad he deleted that tweet about being the best center in New York because he's out of his mind. Um, I think we all know who the best center in New York is right now, and he might win Defensive Player of the Year. But kudos to Mitchell Robinson for being healthy and for actually looking like he can run up and down a basketball court. That's great. Good job. But in all seriousness, I, I think that he and Hart, in a playoff situation, the rebounding that they bring, the if if Mitchell Hart can or Mitchell Hart, if Mitchell Robinson can actually, <laughs> if if he can actually run down the floor with Hart, um, I think there's a there's a there's a lot there, and he's been a big factor that they've been missing. To see him take a step forward in a playoff situation, I think that's that's an X factor. They have real X factors right now. Yeah, that's uh, that's a big thing. And like Mitchell Robinson was always a guy capable of that. It's just like you said, it's it, it's just such a big achievement for him to actually be on the floor and actually look healthy. <laughs> that's that's such a big, such a big yeah, thing yeah. for him. And hopefully he's in there, he's right back up and up and running when we get uh, when we get to playoff time. But it's it's been a it's been a fun year. Obviously, it was a bit hit and miss early on in the season. But to think of what they've done since since December, since the turn of the year. With Brunson, our our major offseason acquisition leading the way. I mean, it's everything that you could have you could hope for 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 the New York Knicks, and it's great to be able to talk about them so glowingly at this time. It's a uh, re- re- really fun and, and and long may it continue. But I think that's gonna do it for today's episode. We got there in the end, despite our, our issues with uh, with Zoom, but we were able to we were able to complete the episode. It, it, in the end, uh, a fun one for me, Dame Lillard. Can he can he keep going with with Portland? Are the Knicks this playoff team? Can Quinn Snyder turn it around with Trey Young? Questions still to be asked, but my thanks to Christian for joining me, and thank you all so much for listening. Remember to like, subscribe, comment, follow us on social media. We are everywhere at Coast to Coast NBA. And remember, take every shot and love every moment.